Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So I wanted to go over my top three trade ideas that I'm thinking about right now. We talk about how the global economy, we got some storm clouds on the horizon. Talk about the yield curve. We talk about all those macro things. But there are some things that I, or some opportunities, I should say, that I see if you're a short-term trader. Now, this is not investment advice. You guys have to realize that I almost flunked out of high school. I'm not a professional. I'm barely an amateur. <laughs> I'm just some schmuck on YouTube that's never taken an econ class or a finance class, or I don't know up from down. So you should probably do the opposite of what I'm going to describe. But this is what I'm personally thinking about right now for my own portfolio. And a lot of you know from watching the channel, I'm a very long-term investor. Usually I just sit on the sidelines and do nothing. And then once every three or four years when there's a crisis, when things get cheap, then I step in and buy, just wait till things get expensive. But I realize now after kind of this meeting that I had in St. Bart's with my good friend, Hugh Hendry, and a lot of these other hedge fund managers, that maybe I should start thinking about more short-term stuff and maybe having two different portfolios. And I think that's a strategy that a lot of you employ. So there could be some good content there for the channel. Maybe we could provide some value there. All right. So. First and foremost, let's go to the charts. And I want to pull up like the no-brainer of all no-brainers. I don't know why this stupid Apple thing keeps popping up. Okay. That would be, here we go, the GDXJ. So I'm just using this as a proxy for all junior gold miners or the gold mining space. And you guys may have some that you're, you're laser focused on because you've been doing the bottoms up type of research. Uh, that's great. I'm not a bottoms up type of guy. I'm super macro, so I'm just looking at a long-term chart. I'm sitting here scratching my head saying, wait a minute here. What happens with gold, as you guys know, is we kind of go into a recession and gold kind of gradually goes down, goes down, goes down. And whatever triggers that recession, it's usually a liquidity event where gold just plummets. We saw that in 2008. We saw that during the Cerveza sickness. But then the government's response to whatever the crisis is gives gold a huge tailwind and it absolutely rips higher. <laughs> we see this happen over and over and over again. So going into the recession, what's weird is gold kind of goes down. And right when you get in there and you see some problems, the crisis hits, then it just plummets. And then it just rips for the rest of the quote unquote recession and into the recovery. So I'm not saying that I'm personally buying these uh, juniors right now. I'm saying that on my watch list, they're, they're getting really interesting. And if I was under the opinion that we may have a soft landing or a no landing um, and that the Fed was going to just gradually start dropping rates while the ECB was raising them and you have this interest rate differential and the Fed's just dropping rates because inflation gradually comes down to their target, but unemployment rate stays low. But now that's bearish for the dollar because of the interest rate differential. And we have this nice, super soft landing butterfly with sore feet, right? Now, that's not my view, <laughs> as you guys know. But if that's your view, then, hey, look at the, the, the gold miners or the juniors relative to the price of gold. There's a huge, huge, huge delta. Just look at the charts right here. And look at this. The, this uh, and I'm just using this as a broad proxy here. But uh, the price is almost down to kind of close to where we got during the Cerveza sickness, where gold has this massive dump, just like they do during the GFC and these liquidity events that we're talking about. So now, 
going back to this conversation in the four, three or four days I spent in St. Bart's with Hugh and these hedge fund managers, their process, what they would do if they were bullish on the JDXJ is they would wait and they would look at this uh, $40 level and they'd say, hmm, there's some resistance around here. So I'm going to wait until it shoots higher than this 40 level. And that's when I'm going to go ahead and buy. Now that's if you're doing it the same way they do it. Now you don't have to do that. I'm just throwing that out there. Just FYI. So this was, is my idea. Number one, something I'm watching like a hawk. And uh, you know how I'm probably going to play this is if I am wrong about the inversion of the curve, if I'm wrong about the recession, if I'm wrong about the hard landing and how, how will I determine that? I'll determine that if we have a bear steepener. So just to reiterate, the bear steepener is when the curve is no longer inverted as a result of the long end going up. So right now, let's say Fed funds at 5.25%. That would mean, uh, let's see, the 10-year right now, right around, we'll call it 4.2. So if the 10-year continues to go up and up and up and up and up and up, and let's say it just goes straight up to 6% or 7%, now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm going to have to look at where I may have been wrong. And that, by the way, would be the first time in history that you've actually got out of an inverted yield curve with a bear steepener when the cur when all the curves have been inverted to this degree. So probability very, very low, but but it's a possibility, right? There are no certainties, only probability in this time could be different. So if that happens, if the 10 year starts to go above Fed funds, and it looks like it's trending higher and higher and higher, you know, up to 6%, 6.5, then I'm going to reevaluate here. And if uh, the uh, if the gold is still down at these levels, which it may be, because that would imply that interest rates are still high and the ECB at that time could be dropping because dollar is getting stronger and there's kind of an inverse relationship between the dollar and gold, although I, I think they can both go up or down at the same time. But this could be, what would prompt me, I'm trying to articulate a catalyst as to what would get me to pull the trigger. So if this happens in the next couple months, we'll have to revisit it then, see where we're on the chart, where we're on the chart and go from there. And remember, it's that five-step process that all these hedge fund managers that I talked to in St. Bart's, they all follow that five-step process. We went over that extensively in that, that webinar in Rebel Capitalist Pro, and I'll discuss that more at the end of this video. But so that's, my idea number one, and these aren't in any particular order. In fact, idea number three is probably my favorite idea or the idea that I have the most uh, conviction for, if that's the right way to say it. I think that's how the pros say it, my highest conviction idea. Okay, now let's go to number two. Now, this is something that's going to make most of you vomit in your mouth. It's the TLT. <laughs> uh, do you see? George Bricks. A gold-backed currency. The deficits are 1.5 trillion, and yada yada yada. The, the dollar's going to become toilet paper, and and no one's going to be buying our bonds. And the the yields on the 30-year, it's going to go straight up. We're going to be at Volcker times. It's going to be 30, 40, 50 percent by next week. Just ask Balaji or whatever his name is on Twitter. Uh, I get it. I, I I totally get it. But hear me out. Hear me out. Um, if you are someone who believes that in the short term, we're going to go through some economic pain, and if you believe that the yield curve actually is accurate, then this is interesting. Also, and I think this is more so what I want to talk about here, is I am very bullish long term on commodities. I think a lot of you are in that same boat. 
But you've got a dilemma because if we do have a significant recession, then it's likely that commodity prices come down. But you understand all of the fundamental arguments and fundamental reasons for being bullish on commodities long term. I'm people like my good friend, Lynn Alden, Chris McIntosh, uh, 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 Luke Groman. I mean, they all articulate, and uh, Eric Townsend on Macro Voices all articulate why, from a supply standpoint, we are very, very constrained, and we will likely continue to be constrained, possibly for another decade, if not more. And that's without the whole ESG nonsense and Klaus trying to eliminate half the population, make sure that we're using less energy and pushing wind, solar, and all the other crazy things that these governments and politicians and authoritarians are talking about that, that would limit the supply of energy and commodities even further. But I was in Rebel Capitalist Pro the other day. I was answering some questions on a live stream, and someone talked to me about a strategy that Chris McIntosh is using right now. What he's doing is he's actually buying these commodities that he thinks are cheap. I know Brent thinks there's some soft commodities that are cheap right now, but he's buying these commodities that he wants to hold long-term. So for the next five, 10 years. But what he's doing just to hedge against downside, because he looks at the yield curve and he, he gets it, right? He's not oblivious to that. And he does not believe that this time it's different. He thinks that we're going to have a severe uh, economic um, kind of, uh, well, he, he believes that we're going to have this severe economic problem, or that's a recession, depression, who knows, but at some time you're going to have to pay the fiddler here. But what he's doing is he's buying the TLT to hedge out his commodity downside. So he's got this portfolio of oil, of coal, of uranium, of silver, of potentially gold miners, all of these things that he wants to hold for the next, whatever, 10 years or so. But then he's also loading up on the TLT, not because he loves bonds long-term or any of these things, but he just has that as a hedge. So if we do have this hard landing, great. He's got something to offset the losses. He can go ahead and sell that, take the liquidity and buy more of the commodities that he wants to own long-term. So again, I, I'm not saying, this is not investment advice. I'm not saying to do this. And in fact, you should probably do the opposite of this. Take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, because I know Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just telling you what Chris McIntosh is doing. And he is a pro in Rebel Capitals Pro, one of my very, very good friends and someone that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Okay, so let's get over to a recent article 
meaning from today, from Barron's. Listen to this, guys. Airbnb, the stock, now we're talking about, jumps on S&P 500 inclusion. <laughs> Airbnb is now a part of the S&P 500. I had no idea that this was happening. Absolutely no clue. So I think that this could not just signal peak hysteria <laughs> in, in the uh, real estate market, but most likely peak hysteria in the short-term rental market. I mean, come on, let's be honest here. Let's go through and pick out some points here and you'll see exactly what I'm referring to. So investors, they say, appeared pleased as trading resumed following Labor Day weekend, shares of hospitality company, okay, 8%, putting them on pace, yada, yada. Uh, the move for Airbnb added to the index uh, comes as the stock has surged 67% this year. Listen to this, benefiting from an increase in travel demand that has aided hotel and airline stocks in general. All right. I was just listening to an interview with my good friend, Adam Taggart, and he was interviewing this gal that's, uh, I, I don't recall her name. I apologize. But uh, if you go to Wealthy on his podcast, it's the most recent episode. I cannot suggest it enough. And she talks about all of these fundamental components that go into Airbnb being so popular. One of them was 60% of the people who use Airbnb are millennials and Gen Z. They're young kids. Okay, well, who's going to have to start paying back their student loans? That would be the young kids. Who's burning through the savings? Every single thing that we've been talking about on this channel for weeks. In fact, we've discussed this in certain videos today. So they're going to get hit the hardest. It's not going to be the boomers and whatnot. It's all the people that are actually using Airbnb. So you think about the fact that Airbnb has had the more tailwind over the last three years than they will possibly ever have, ever have. So they are at their peak right now. So what better time to consider a stock on the short side, especially when you consider all the macro environments that we talk about on this channel at nauseum. I won't repeat it. You guys know exactly what I'm referring to. So to me, this seems like a, um, what was the name of the company that made the at home exercise machines? Let me go back to the chat. Oh, there's Josh. Oh, Josh, you're Ah, uh, shoot. It's the... I ask, know it's ask Green Screen Jeff Snyder. Does he know? I know exactly what you're Pen talking about. Peloton or Peloton. Yeah, Peloton, Peloton. The Everybody Peloton? was getting Peloton. Yeah. There you go. So to me, this seems like a Peloton, right? Where you had this boom in the use and the revenues were skyrocketing and everyone thought that, you know, exercise had changed forever. <laughs> Just like now they think that travel industry has changed forever. But that was just a result of this sugar high from government intervention, basically locking you in a cage and then giving you all of this excess disposable money. So what are you going to do? You're going to go out and buy one of these exercise machines. Their revenue is going to go up. And then Wall Street just thinks that's going to continue on indefinitely into the future because they have this recency bias. And I think it's the exact same thing right now with Airbnb. All of these people are, are, well, first of all, they locked all these young kids in a cage for heaven's sakes. So if you're someone that's a millennial or someone Josh's age, I mean, as soon as they let you out of your cage, what are you going to do? For heaven's sakes, you're going to travel. You're going to go out there and experience the world. You're going to rent an Airbnb. Of course, the prices are going to boom. Of course, their revenue is going to boom. And especially if you have more disposable income. 
You don't even have to pay back your student loan. Most, a lot of them don't even have to pay rent for heaven's sakes. But then what happens is their purchasing power goes down as a result of their wages not keeping up with infl- inflation. We talked about that earlier, negative real wages, right? When you adjust for the rate of inflation and then you have them depleting their savings. Now, all of a sudden, like we said, they got to pay these student loans back. What's going to happen to Airbnb? In other words, give me the bull argument for Airbnb moving forward. If I had to, if I had to give you a bull argument, I would say that the majority of millennials are using this service and therefore kind of they're the next generation and it's kind of ingrained into their psyche. So 10, 20, 30 years from now, no one's going to be using hotels and everyone's going to be using Airbnbs. That would be my best bull argument. But I don't think that's very strong, especially when you consider the fact that all these hotels have pricing power. It went, I remember when Airbnb first started, everyone wanted to do that because uh, or everyone, especially the younger kids, wanted Airbnbs because they're always cheaper, always cheaper. But now what happens is they're more expensive because these hotels have economies of scale. You see, they can hire uh, 10 maids and have those 10 maids clean 100 rooms, whereas that Airbnb has to hire one maid per room or per house or per unit, you see. So that's just one example of hotels having these economies of scale. So they therefore, they can undercut the Airbnb. But again, you'd have to look into the future two, three years and determine how on earth is demand going to increase above and beyond what we have seen due to these tailwinds over the last three years. There's no way. There, 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 well, I guess there's a way, but I think the probability is insanely low. I think the probability is insanely high that their revenues decline from here. And wouldn't that be just the perfect irony right when they get um, right when they get put into the S&P 500. Now, let's just go over to Yahoo Finance really quick. We'll look at a chart. And uh, we see kind of the recent pop right here. It's $142. So let's see what the PE, oh, wow, trading very cheap. A PE ratio of 41, for heaven's sakes, 41. Oh, my gosh. And it's basically a hotel. Like, I'll bet you what they're doing is they're trying to sell themselves as a tech company. It's like WeWork trying to sell themselves as as a tech company. But look at this. So sure, over the last year, year and a half, they've been crushing estimates. Look at this. Estimate, 147, actual $1.79. Look at this. Crush, crush, crush. Yeah, why is that? It's because they've had all these tailwinds that are temporary. They're benefiting from the sugar rush of the stimulus, not having to make your student loans, and from the government locking all these kids in a cage, for heaven's sakes, this pent up demand. So now let's go to their annual and look at what they're doing in 2019. Oh, wow. A loss of $674 million. Even after when things started to open up in 2021 and the kids were loaded with stimulus checks, they still had a loss of $352 million. So my point is this is as good as it's going to get right here in 2022. It's going straight down from here, in my opinion, in my opinion, most likely going back down to where it was in 2019. And that's after the recession. Assuming we go into a recession, I think it'll get a lot worse. And this is a loss of call it $600 million. So if their PE ratio is 41, and that's based on a profit of... 1.89 billion. 
where is their PE ratio going to be? Or what is their PE ratio going to be? Assuming they go right back down to a negative $600,000 hit. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know what happens to their PE ratio, but I know what will most likely happen to the share price. Well, the PE will be NA. They won't have a PE because they won't have any earnings. And you've got to have earnings. <laughs> That's a key component of that PE, isn't it, Josh? So there you go. Just in quick summary, uh, number one, I definitely got the gold miners uh, on that watch list. And I think if, you, if you're someone that buys into this soft landing type thing and the, the Fed is going to just gradually start lowering interest rates, the unemployment rate's not really going to go up. You're going to have that, uh, that uh, delta between the Fed dropping rates, the ECB, maybe raising rates still. So that interest rate differential, that's bearish for the dollar. That could be bullish for gold. And then that's going to be bullish, especially for the miners. It should get that big pop, do that big difference between the gold price and what the miners have done lately. Uh, number two is if you're bullish commodities like I am, maybe you're on the fence. Like, should I buy now? Should I not buy now? If you want to go ahead and, and pull the trigger, then you might want to hedge with TLT. Well, again, you, you shouldn't do any of what I'm talking about. Just completely ignore what I'm saying. This is for entertainment purposes only. I'm just communicating to you guys what I'm thinking about for my own portfolio and what we've been talking about with the pros like Chris McIntosh and Rebel Capitals Pro. And then number three, of course, is this Airbnb, which for me is one of the most obvious <laughs> shorts I, I have ever seen in my entire life. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism.